Yo, what's up, everybody? My name is Anthony, and welcome to another edition of Spade the Podcast. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for um, supporting this uh, series that I've done with the April's Angels. I hope you've enjoyed all parts of it throughout the whole month. If you've not listened to um, the previous parts, um, you can do so. It's not going anywhere, <laughs> but this was just a, a featured month, you know, for this uh, particular uh, awareness on anxiety and depression that I was focusing on. But again, thank you guys for supporting me. Um, I hope you guys enjoy part five uh, for May. Stay tuned because I'm going to have uh, some wonderful topics. So y'all stay tuned again to my new subscribers. Um, SPADE stands for Suicide Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, Anxiety, Depression, and Epilepsy. This is a mental health awareness podcast. So again, um, hope you enjoy it. I uh, hope you enjoy part five. And next thing you hear will be my last panel. Thank you again. Y'all stay tuned. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome back um, to the episode. I really hope you guys are enjoying this uh, episode as we're discussing, again, anxiety and depression. Um, this is my last panel that I have. Uh, I hope, again, you guys enjoyed the first two panels. Um, this one, I think you're really going to enjoy them as well. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce them on. So I've got first, Miss Chase, what's going on? How you doing? <laughs> Hi, I'm so good. Thank you for having me on the show today. No problem. So can you give everybody a background of who you are in your podcast? <laughs> yeah, of course. My name is Chase Clark. I'm currently 16 years old, um, and I'm the creator of the Renaissance Project, a Black Girls Movement podcast, um, which nice. is split up in series much like this. And we tackle the topics that are important to today's youth in my community, as well as the growing community around the world um so yeah I'm currently a high school student and I think that's about it so, yeah. <laughs> nice well welcome to my podcast thank you so much for coming on <laughs> you thank you <laughs> so next I've got Kervin um on is that how you is that how you say it yeah Hi. yeah yeah good job okay. good job I <laughs> just want to make sure <laughs> So, Kervin, what's going on, man? How you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. Uh, my name is Kervin Searles. I am uh, a therapist and owner of uh, Gravity Counseling Group, uh, which provides uh, mental health uh, services, like individual and mm -hmm. family therapy, couples counseling, uh, all of those things. Uh, I have a big hand and big part in doing that, as well nice. as a podcast called Beginning with Gravity, where we do uh, something very similar to what you do and kind of a light on mental health and uh, all those things that affect us day to day. Nice, nice. Well, thank you again for coming on. Welcome to Spade the Podcast. <laughs> thank you. 
No problem. So we are going to go ahead and dive on in to our first question. And so I'm going to start with, uh, can I actually start with you, Carvin? Uh, and I'm going to ask you this. So why is the African-American community afraid to speak about mental health? I ask, I'm asked this question more often than not anytime I uh, make appearance on any type of uh, podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, man, it's a lot of, it's a lot of reasons I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those, one of the bigger things would be just the, the embarrassment, uh, mm-hmm. which translated to stigma. Right. Uh, people just don't, it's, it's not a good look. You know, it's a sign of weakness to some degree, yeah. uh, or at least that's how people view it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I often refer to this book that just came out. I think it came out at some point last year mm-hmm. by Dr. Rita Walker. The unapologetic guide to black men. Mm. Be a fan of that. Uh, I don't get any any money for t- talking about it, but uh, it's a <laughs> great read. It's an absolutely great read. And one of those things she talks about is the fact that uh, African Americans we associate the struggle and perseverance with just being strong in mm-hmm. general. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then when you get when you start about mental illness, it's like, okay, this person isn't the same person that I knew or I thought they were uh, at one point in time. Mm-hmm. And of course, we don't even, you know, for the most part, we haven't described it as mental health or mental illness. We've always described it as bad nerves right? or, or, or something's been, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of this one. Uh, if it's not bad nerves, it's somebody put something as some bad drugs. Now his mind isn't the way it used to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, it, it has happened probably, uh, but it doesn't happen to every single person right. has a break. Right. Um, and so, you know, for the, for the most part, just to answer your question, uh, we're afraid to speak about this because of the stigma associated with it. And uh, they thought that we are weaker or lesser than um, mm-hmm. the next man or the next woman. Right. We have a mental illness or um, just, you know, a lack in mental health. Yeah, because also um, you can be we're also perceived as crazy. That's what, you know, we think like when you think of mental illness and you don't want to take on that that topic, because if you're mentally ill, people will consider you crazy. And also. I feel that we don't speak on that is because um, we like to put everything um, mentally like in regards to the church, because some of us as we're raised in the church, you know, um, if something's wrong with you, what you're going to do, you're going to go to the church, you're going to pray about it, go to the altar, and then everything's supposed to be okay. So I think that's one of the another reason why we don't like to talk about it is because, you know, we're just brought up like that, that everything has to be swept under the rug. Chase, what do you think? I definitely agree with the sentiments that have already been said. Um, I think a big part of it 
growing up for me is, you know, hearing that mental health is nothing more than, you know, the devil trying to get to you. It's nothing more than, you know, you just got to pray it out, like you said, and, and it'll all go away. Um, but I started really looking at my mental health journey when I kept praying and I was like, okay, something is not clicking here. And it's, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a little bit more than praying that I have to, I have to get done. So I think um, most of the issue does come from just having that stigma. And mm-hmm. I think it became really toxic, especially in the older communities, because I, I feel that they feel like we already have so many things put up against us. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give anybody else another reason to say that I'm um, not as good as them. I'm less than or I'm crazy. I don't want to give them another reason to um, not like me or not feel like I am their um equal. So I think that they have made this narrative and it's continued to be passed down from generation to generation. And then that coupled with, you know, just pray it out. It'll be fine. If, you know, you don't need to tell anybody, this is a personal journey. You keep it Mm -hmm. to yourself. Um, I think both of those things just really um, spiraled into a narrative that we now are, you know, starting to fight. But I think that it's it's going to take a, a while before people really start to see the dangers of not changing this narrative, um, which is why we have to have these conversations. Exactly. That's these what I think about that. Yeah, these uncomfortable conversations that people don't want to have. But again, like you said, it is needed. Um, I used to work at a storage facility um, and a customer came up to me and they said the reason why that they didn't go see therapists is because they didn't trust the quote unquote white man. They needed somebody (laughs) to relate to, which is a black person, but they weren't going to go to therapy because they feel they felt like the white man would not understand them or anything like that. So in reference to that, How does the suspiciousness of white doctors affect mental health care among African-Americans? Well, for for my end, I I think, uh, I don't think we realize how many people are out there that look like us. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are a lot of black male and female therapists, a lot of black doctors. Mm -hmm. And now we're at a state where we're having more platforms to uh, put them out there. You know, you mm-hmm. can go to uh, black, um, black, black men therapy, black therapy for black men.org, yeah, yeah. therapy for black girls.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's actually probably four or five more, if I uh, were to pull it up, that's mm-hmm. out there um, to go back to. Sometimes you just don't feel comfortable right. talking to a person of another race. You don't feel like mm-hmm. in therapy setting, mm-hmm. you don't feel like uh, having to explain what's good nature to us in our culture. Right. You don't feel like having to explain certain terms right. that you know we all would know, but someone else who is not uh, as culturally competent would know. Not that they're trying to be bad for, not that they're trying to hurt you harm you but they just don't know sometimes right. uh, so when it comes down to that you know, for that person you know, if anything I would say just just go a step further be more uh, persistent uh, do your due diligence mm-hmm. there's somebody out there that, that do like you out 
know, mm-hmm. uh, the other thought that came with that question was just to think about just the history of, you know, when psychology uh, came about, you know, we weren't, in, we didn't, they didn't have us in mind. Right. You know, some of those symptoms that are placed out there uh, in recent years, you know, some of the black people or African-Americans in this field are starting to kind of uh, come together and I don't want to say question, but just challenge yeah. some of these symptoms and some of these things that are being put out there. Yeah. Uh, hey, it doesn't show up in African-Americans the same way show up in Asians or as it show up and um, white people. So, you know, with regards to that, I, don't don't forget. Oh, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, it was a psychologist, I believe, and I cannot think of his name right now. That said that African Americans weren't, weren't human, but we didn't have we didn't have the ability to think like 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 other people. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at it from that standpoint, yeah, it's on certain people. Yeah. They say, wait a minute, this is this isn't for me. Right. Um, but it is, you know, we've had other people to come along and, and make changes. Right. Right. Chase, what you think? Um, I completely understand her point of view, her or his point of view, um, just because there has been such a history of of black people being used for experimental purposes and then, you know, not or being exploited. It's just been a, a constant history of that. Um, so I do understand that mindset and being suspicious or being nervous when approaching um, a the white doctor or really a doctor of any other um, culture, ethnicity or nationality. Um, but similar to what Kervin said, I think that there are just so many resources to um, get more educated. There are so many resources to reach out to people who look like you, mm-hmm. um, especially now that we've had this um, pandemic, you know, we've had a lot more virtual options open up. Exactly. So I think that there is more of a resource and more of a way to get to the people that, you know, you normally wouldn't be able to. Um, And with all of the social media that's readily available, there's ways to connect and to, you know, you can DM message. I mean, it's really limitless, the limits to what you can do now. Um, So while I understand that perspective, I do think that your mental health is a lot more important, <laughs> yeah. um, which I know is easier said and it than done, but I, I do think that there are other resources and ways to to accomplish the goal that you would like to see. Right. Just to piggyback oh, off her, just to piggyback off of her when she said that about social media, that is really key. Uh, I have my personal uh, social media uh, handles or whatever, then I have my business, but I don't care where you reach me at. I have certain boundaries. I'm not going to necessarily respond to you really late at night, but I am going to respond and I am going to try to lead you in the right direction. I'm not just going to leave you in red. So you can, you can literally do anybody in any way, shape, form or fashion. And I always try to respond at some point and lead them in the right direction. I can't help them personally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause, um, I mean, like you guys said, your mental health is more important than looking at a race factor. Because, I mean, just think of it this way. Me personally, I honestly wouldn't care if I go see a 
white doctor or black doctor, Hispanic doctor, Asian, whatever. As long as I'm getting the help that I'm needed or whoever's the most qualified, then that's who I'm going to go see. Now, again, not to say that my preference wouldn't be an African-American doctor. That would be my preference. However, I wouldn't have a problem or issue going to see anybody outside of my race. You know, that's just my take, you know, because again, my mental health (laughs) is a lot more important than just having that stigma that, you know, any, if you don't do anything, if you do anything outside of your race, then that's pretty much wrong. You know, as I often uh, say, uh, when I'm speaking with people, one of the most important things is the relationship between your therapist and you. Mm -hmm. They have credibility. Do you have rapport with, (laughs) do you believe in them? Right. Um, doesn't mean that you have to have somebody that look uh, exactly like you, but you mm-hmm. definitely need to have a vibe, so to speak. Yes. Uh, but me, is easier for someone that looks like me and may or may not have been the same things that I've been through. But along the same lines, I still want the best person. You know, yes, I, just yes. because you look like me don't mean that you're the best person. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, have another question for you guys. So... Um, why do you, why does black people, why do we as black people need and deserve support in reference to mental health care? Um, I think that answer is simple. It's because everybody has issues. Everybody has problems that they need to work out. Um, just like, you know, we all get sick. (laughs) We Mm -hmm. all, you know, feel bad sometimes and we all need that help. Um, and that's just really it. I mean, there is no reason why anyone else should, should be allowed to get more help. Right. So I think it, it's, it's just across the board. It should be equal for everybody. If we're talking about, um, equality in terms of everything else, then I think that the, um, health industry, it needs to be the same. It needs to mm-hmm. be the same. So right. That's my right. take on that. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Um, why do black people deserve a support? Deserve support. Uh, because we all see the world. We all have different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us uh, go through microaggressions or feel microaggressions mm-hmm. harder or they just stick to us longer than it might stick to someone else. There's mm-hmm. different levels to, when we're talking mental health care, there's different levels to it. I think everybody would agree more to fear really, really changing the way that you live life, then you definitely need mental health care. One of the things we kind of fail to realize is, as she said just uh, earlier, um, sometimes we're going, just going through life transitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going from high school to college, everybody that's not a smooth transition for everyone. Right, if right. you're going from uh, a... Relate. I mean, going from being single to going into a relationship or getting married—that that's that's not an easy transition. Mm-hmm. Or neither is a breakup. Sometimes, sometimes it's that mental health care is just for a situation that you're going through. Right. Um, a uh, and so even with that regard, we need support. Sometimes we need that support outside of our family members yes. and our friends. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about when I when I go to my friends, when I go to my family members, I know they got my back. I'm familiar by it because right. they want me to win. 
Mm-hmm. And they may, may be able to allow me to kind of have some type of self-reflection or some self-awareness, or they just may want me to win. And so they're going to take my side. And that's mm-hmm. where that unbiased um, uh, perspective will come into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're different, different levels of mental health, I think we all need that support. Right. And, you know, it's sad that we as African-Americans, we deserve that mental health. We deserve those resources. But in essence, we don't have the same resources that our Caucasian uh, brothers and sisters do. You know, Um, if you look at like certain neighborhoods of African-American neighborhoods and stuff, they don't have the same resources as the predominantly white neighborhoods. And that goes with the education system that goes with um, the healthcare system, you know? So it's just, and that just uh, takes back on the systematic uh, racism. There, there are uh, different organizations or different people out there that are trying to, kind of even it out. Mm-hmm. You have Philadelphia Black Men Heal, a foundation they started uh, just for, to provide mental health for people who are not caught. You know, sometimes you don't have the health care or the right. health care you have don't provide enough support. Right. Um, then I believe it's, uh, I'm going to call it Cookie, what's her name? The actress. Uh, Taraji uh, P. Henson? Yes. She started a foundation. She started a foundation that is geared towards uh, mental health and providing mental health. Anyone who needs it and, and not able to pay for it. And then, I mean, there's, there's stuff, there are things out there. Even I got, I got to try to come up with a list of it. But uh, so if, even if you don't feel like you have the financial means to do it, mm-hmm. just walk in the door or call. Hey, I don't have financial means, but I want to. And right. usually they'll be able to point in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's agreed. Agreed. Um, I got one final question for you guys, and then we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up. So we're actually going to shift to uh, this discussion or talking about anxiety real quick. So... Do you believe that we are the cause of our own anxiety attacks by feeling that we are constantly doing something wrong or that we are um, inadequate? So, for example, um, let's say that I feel like that or I'm constantly failing at something um, whether it being, you know, a school or whether it being with your job and you're not performing um, the way you want to perform at the level that you're capable of doing and you get to this level and you're constantly um, feeling that tension. So are we causing our own uh, anxiety attacks? What do you guys think? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Um, that's a that's a heavy one, right? That's a it big is. question. It is. Um, 
I'm going to say no, um, mm-hmm. just because we did just briefly speak about systematic racism, right? Mm-hmm. So we have um, things put in place kind of to keep us down, you know? Right. right. Um, and especially this past year, we've seen all of these things start to unfold, things that we've seen before. They're nothing mm-hmm. new, but they're things that have, are highlighted and and put into these conversations. And that can be really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, I know specifically for our community, having all of these things that we constantly have to think about, you know, um, having to think about things that other races, other cultures don't even have to blink an eye about, having to think about, um, am I driving correctly? Am I putting myself in a position where I won't be pulled over? Am I putting myself in a position where I'm going to be looked at and hopefully not judged, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think having those extra, that extra baggage to carry just going throughout your life is, is it brings on a, an enormous amount of anxiety that other cultures just simply don't have. And by right. other cultures, I mean, white people, they just don't have that. Right. Um, so I think to say that it's solely caused by us, um, I think that would be very naive in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that there are ways that you can try to de-escalate it within yourself. And that's where getting mental health um, help comes in, making sure that you're educating yourself and you're, um, you're finding ways to compartmentalize these things in ways that are um, healthy to you. I think that's where that does come in and you have to take some responsibility to say, okay, is this, you know, external stress that I'm, that I'm adding onto myself more than I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way, I guess it's like a, a twofold kind of answer. Um, right, right. Yes. I think there's an amount of anxiety that the world causes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it also is upon us to find ways to make sure that it's not becoming so much that we are having these anxiety attacks. Um, and if we are, then finding ways that we can get that. Um, but with that, also, there is that <laughs> financial piece. Um, right. And in America, we know that everything is is not fair, you know, yes. and I would love yes. to world that, you know, you don't have to go and pay loads and loads of money for mental health help, because I think that's like an essential need that everyone needs to get, no matter how old you are, really, like, we try to say that older people are the only people that need this help. But I know kids who are committing suicide just mm-hmm. left. And I mean, this, this is something that we don't learn in school. You know what I mean? So I think having conversations, starting these conversations are ways to maybe prevent all of these um, mental health uh, episodes that we see play out. So we don't have so much of a stigma going forward. Right. Oh, wow. She's did an excellent job of answering yes. that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she deserves a round of applause for that right, one. Uh, right. <laughs> She's 16, y'all. <laughs> yeah. And, and what career path are you choosing? Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, wh- whoever gets you, they're going to be blessed. They're definitely yes. going to be blessed. Uh, but just to, to, to piggyback off of her, uh, I think uh, as a therapist, my job would be to challenge um, your thoughts, whether they're rational or irrational. Mm-hmm. Um, what is really affecting you? Uh, trying to help you gain the emotional intelligence to see what is systematic and what is me personal. How can I overcome those systematic uh, things that are come stressors that are coming to play? 
and how can I eliminate some or decrease them? Uh, but I don't really have too much to add because you hit on so many things. And I, I love even the fact that how you highlight it is not just older people. Mm-hmm. Uh, mental health can start at any age. You yes. know, it could be it. You know, yes. five, six. You know, just because it's not you, don't mean it is not happening. Everybody, everybody's reality is, and their reality is real to them. And it's a part of part of coming into again therapy is to find try to figure out what is what is the reality, what is real. Um, you have your thoughts, but I'm a challenge those thoughts. Yeah, okay, um, it good idea for me to do my life right now and what I want to do my life. Do I really want to end it? Do I want to be glorified? Do I want to be praised? Do I want to be uh, thought about, missed? It could be anything. And I'm, I'm just throwing things out randomly because I don't have a person here um, in front of me, but it could be anything. So that's that's probably my one of my uh, one of the directions that I take when someone comes in with anxiety is just on the If it is them causing it, as the question says, or is it something else? Uh, a past experience, or past experiences that they repeat on the way. That's like okay, I know when I go down Martin Luther King Drive, it's going to be complete officers, and as soon as I don't put my blinker on the right way. I'm going to get stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be really real reality. Because uh, I know every city got a Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or is it me? You know, is it really just me just being, you know, some quote unquote paranoid? But uh, that was a really, really heavy question. And I think I've uh, answered that before I had to answer <laughs> Kudos, kudos. Um, I actually, since you brought that up with the age reference, um, I wanted to ask this um, to you, Chase, and then um, Carvin, you can respond afterwards. Chase, what would you say to somebody that's in uh, your age group um, that is dealing with depression, if they're having that um, depression and the suicidal thoughts, and if they're just feeling down and they're scared to talk to their parents and because they don't want, they feel like they don't want to be looked at as, you know, strange and whatnot, and they don't have an outlet to talk to anybody, what would you say to them? Hmm. You would think I'd know as many times as I've been put in the situation, but um, the interesting part about it is, you know, I don't really know what to say other than the natural cliches that we're given, like, it'll get better, keep your head up, you know, um, of course, keep praying, it'll, God will pull through, everything's fine, you know, you just got to work through this, it's rainbows on the other side of this, you know, just stuff like that, um, and that's, really sad to say, but I really wouldn't know what to say um, other than those those few things because they're, we're not really taught. Um, right. You know, in my household, we are a Black family. Mm-hmm. 
And so we don't talk about mental health too much um, mm-hmm. just because it's not a common top, a common topic of conversation. Right. Um, but I think this is also something that needs to be taught in school. <laughs> you know, yeah, we spend cool. most of our time in school. We, de- mm-hmm. we spend more time with our teachers than we do our families most, most years, um, right. this year being the exception. And I think that it was really very evident to a lot of our communities that we weren't prepared as young people. We were not mentally, emotionally, physically prepared for a pandemic and what it what it could do to our, our minds. Um, and so I think knowing this, um, it would be upon me to do some research myself. But I also feel like it, in a way, it's kind of not only on me since exactly. I'm in a part of system who is serving the community at large really I think it it should be a thing that's taught in school longer than you know just having to write down the definitions of depression and anxiety well we know that you know the the clinical definition that we get off like wiki doctor wiki md but right. it's like what does it really look like and how can it look different from him and her and let's really have conversations with with the with our peers who are um, really going through this because I don't know how many people we could have saved, how many people that could have graduated, how many people that could have made it to college if we would have just had one conversation about what to say when there's nothing else to really say, you know? Right. right. So to answer your question, I really don't know what to say. So I'm interested in hearing what you guys would say. Carmen, I'm interested in what you have to say as a licensed therapist. How would you respond to that? Uh, the first thing you want to do uh, in the event somebody is sharing some things with you is uh, listen, mm-hmm. period. Um, and try to get to that. Try to help them understand it. As uh, again, going back to Dr. Rita Walker, she has the ABCs to. Uh, uh, prevention or something to that degree, I think it says. Uh, but the one of the first one is assume you can help as a mm-hmm. person that's listening. Mm-hmm. You got to get to that person that assumes that somebody wants to help. Somebody want to help you. Mm-hmm. And if you can just get to that person that want to help you, then maybe, as she said earlier, maybe we can have more people that's going to go to college and get married, have kids, and life that first uh first thing is being being listen being willing to listen able to listen and you don't have to have the perfect answer you literally don't have to have the perfect answer and everybody's different you can say those cliches but if you're saying those cliches and they know really mean it it's going to take an effect if they know that you really care you say it it's going to affect them differently than if you're saying it because i heard this before let me go People can tell the difference between someone who's listening and who really care about what's going on. Right. Even Anthony, when you're uh, you're talking to us now, you took a question. You gave us a question based off of what we just responded, which lets me know you're listening. Mm. You didn't just last question wasn't something we had already out here that we were going to talk about, right? And that's how you that's how you let people know that listening is by taking um listening to them responding accordingly either asking them questions to get deeper uh 
asking, uh, being supportive in your statements with uh, what they can for you, and then again trying to lead them to the help that's out there for them. Right. Assuming that there's help out there for them, you need it, helping them lead them to that help, get that phone call. Right. And I also want to add this um, <clears throat> because a lot of people, um, they don't take uh, the younger generation seriously when some of the younger generation, when they say I'm depressed or um, I'm feeling like I want to end it all. They don't take it seriously. They just say, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. And then you look on the news and then that person that said that, um, they literally carried out what they said. And Mm -hmm. if you, again, like you said, Kervin, just listen to them, just take them seriously. You could have literally just saved their life. All All a lot of people want, just like you said, and I'm gonna, you know, reinforce is that they just want a listening ear. They just want a listening ear. They right. want to. They want you to know that you actually care about them to care enough to take time out of your day to listen to their problems. And I think again, people just they don't understand the younger generation, and they don't. They just want to uh, just categorize them in this box and. Um, just, just say, you know, just put them on this lower pedestal, you know, that's just my opinion. And I think that's wrong. I think if, if a child is suffering from depression, because children can suffer from depression, because I think in, in a child's home, what if a child is going through, um, seeing their parents fighting or, uh, a divorce or something like that, that's trauma for a child, but if the child is coming to you and is saying, you know, saying they're experiencing cert- a certain type of feeling just because they're young, that doesn't mean they they don't feel what we feel, you know? So yeah. I just think that we all need to show treat every generation the same, whether it's young, whether it's the older generation, where it's my generation, treat every generation the same. If they're saying they need help, then listen to them and like you guys said, point them in the right direction so they can get the help that they need accordingly. Yeah, em- empathy is very important. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so easy uh, to be sympathetic of someone who doesn't come from a good background, who don't have money or you know, so on and so forth. This, But then you have this person who has, home or uh, one of their parents is well to do and it's these things going for you look at those things yeah well yes but if we're empathetic then it's it goes beyond the material things that they they may have or how smart they may be and we're really trying to get to the root of how they feel and understand how they feel Everybody's reality is actually their reality. They feel like that for a reason, mm-hmm. um, and we're it's not on uh, as people, even therapists, what you should and shouldn't feel. You just gotta gain, have an understanding of how you feel, 
and then maybe you can respond to those feelings to those emotions. Right, right. Yeah, and to second that, um, and also to second what you said, Anthony, I think being empathetic, empathetic is is a skill, yes, but I think it's also learned. Um, and it can be learned and understood um, from a very young age, mm-hmm. um, just as being depressed or being anxious can be as well. Um, and I don't know where I heard this from, but I heard it a, a long time ago that when someone calls out for help, you have to take dramatic measures because that person is willing to go to dramatic lengths to get the help that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, you know, even with someone not reaching out for help, to me, that seems very dramatic for you to, you know, if you know you need it and you're not going to search for it, um, that is a dramatic measure. So just that one person along that line saying, yeah, let me under- try to understand how you feel. Let me try to step into your shoes for a minute and really understand and break down. Let me hear your situation. Just understanding how many lives that could change um, just by doing those few simple things, how many people's mental health could improve dramatically by doing those few simple things. It's, it's, it's spectacular. Almost hard to believe that those, those simple things could literally change the trajectory of someone's life, but they really, really can, you know? Right. So I think when we are having these conversations and, you know, we hear that we're talking about mental health, I feel like we start it, we get to like a really good spot. We're about to get into it. And then we're like, okay, we're done. But Mm -hmm. I think, um, this is a conversation that needs to be had throughout, um, you know, our lives. It needs to mm-hmm. come again and again and again because life doesn't stop. So your exactly. mental health is going to constantly be changing. So, you know, just to say that just because I feel good today, you know, is you know. So I think um, that's that's why we have to learn these things and have these conversations and teach from from early like kindergarten preschool teach children how to be empathetic how to listen how to care because I mean to say that everyone has the same opportunity to learn these things within the home is is not true you know so I think um this has to be something that's built into our educational system. It has to be built into just about every institution we have because it's something that's so universal that it would be detrimental not to. So, right. That's because, my- because with our education system, they like to, they push off everything, you know, towards that high school, college arena. That's when you start learning life and everything, but life starts way before high school, way before college, you know, and like you said, we need to really start teaching this mental health, mental education, like elementary, like they can, you can break it down, um, make it kid friendly and everything because they make everything else kid friendly. So what's the problem with making uh, mental health kid friendly, kid friendly, excuse me. And that way, Again, like you said, kids can grow up with it. And it's not like it's something that's pushed onto them in high school and in college where people, they don't want to learn the subject or they don't really want to hear it because it's it's a requirement, you know. But if it's taught early on and it's, you know, from that kindergarten all the way up until your 
you know, high school into college, then it's already integrated into your your brain. And I think that would help uh, tremendously. But I do as well. Yeah, I do. As well. I yeah. feel like if we can learn all of this math, all of this, this history exactly. that you know, they say we're going to need, then we never use right. again. I'm like, let me learn something I'm really going to use. You know right, I mean? right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, thank you guys for um, coming on. I really appreciate you guys for taking out the time out of your busy schedules to come on my podcast to answer these tough uh, questions and to give out some good advice so people can... Um, really listen and can understand that, hey, it's again, okay to talk about mental health. It's okay to feel this way. And if you want help, just go ahead and get it, you know? So again, thank you guys for coming on. Um, Any final thoughts, uh, any advice that you would give somebody that is um, dealing with, any type of mental illness, uh, depression, anxiety, and are afraid again to go see somebody. Any final words of wisdom for for them? Uh, I would just say uh, we out here. Uh, do your due diligence. Social media. Go to those websites. Uh, there are people who want to help. There are people that look like you. Um, if you're listening, I don't look like you. Uh, we're here and able to help you as well. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, do your do your due diligence. Reach out. You never know what's going to happen. Right. Right. You never know how it's going to end up. So. Yeah. Yeah. I say the same thing. Um, just keep pushing. Keep your head up. As cliche as it sounds, I'm sure it's helping someone somewhere. So. Right. Right. All right. Well. Thank you guys so much for being on. And again, thank you listeners for listening to uh, this episode. And so you guys stay tuned um, to listen to my uh, ending music and y'all just get up and dance. So be right back.